Well, this morning we are continuing on our series of, uh, of, of life, of adventure, and we're uh, going through the book of Exodus, looking at the story of Moses. And so if you have a Bible in front of you, why don't you turn to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, and we'll continue on into chapter 3, verse 10. During that long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of his Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Herob, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites, to take the Israelites out of Egypt. The word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father and gracious God, I thank you so much for just the joy it is to be together with our people, to come and to worship and to be reminded of your goodness, of your faithfulness, to be reminded that you are a God who redeems, who restores, and a God who calls and who sends. And this morning, as we spend some time in your word, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here in an extra thick way, that you would speak very loudly to each of us. We all have different things that we need to hear from you this morning, God. And so I pray that somehow through our time together, that you would nudge on our hearts, that we would hear your voice, and that we would respond to your calling. We pray that everything we do this morning would be for your honor and glory. Amen. Well, like I said, we're in the middle of this adventure series, and uh, Jeff uh, kicked off our series um, in a great way the last couple weeks, and uh, the definition that we're using is that adventure is, uh, is being out of control. And, uh, and immediately, um, when Jeff decided to use that as our definition of adventure, being out of control, I was like, okay, I'm out. And then I realized I'm on the preaching schedule, and then I'm like, I'm really out, because here's the deal— I am not the adventuresome guy on our church staff. Now, I know when you look at me, you go, Ben, but you are so handsome and you do so much cool stuff. You are, you are the epitome of adventure. Well, I'm telling you right now that that is a total sham. It's a facade. It's simply so that uh, students will like me and that doesn't even work all the time. Um, and so the deal is, I am not. I am a control freak. And so when I hear the word, be on the adventure, be out of control, I'm out. In fact, this is my schedule. In fact, last week I thought it'd be fun to see what do I do in a week uh, where children's ministry people, they're kind of logging their hours and I want to participate and play along. So I'm like, this week I'm going to document and log everything I'm doing. And, uh, and what's funny is I didn't have to really go and do more because my day planner is like my life. I love this thing. Every hour is accounted for. 
Um, if you go up even earlier, it tells you when I wake up. I'm like, this is when I wake up. Um, we, had, I, we had dinner with my family. I made sure it was on the day planner. I want everyone to know I got this block of time. It's for my family. And for those three hours, I'm not going to stress out. I'm not going to freak out because in my day planner, for those three hours, it's family time, right? And then I have like meetings with people and kids and yep, here's Noah's soccer game and dinner with friends. Like, so for that two hours, I'm good. I'm watching the soccer game. I'm with my kid. But then if it's not in that, if it's not in those hours, if it's not in those parameters, I get all anxious. Like, what do I do? And, uh, and if you're anything like me, right, I, my life is, well, you're probably way more healthy than me. But for me, I'm, every hour is accounted for. And then the hours that aren't accounted for, that's when I'm trying to cram in um, TV shows and movies that I want to get caught up on or, uh, or books that I'm reading or whatever. And, uh, and I realize that I have no space. No space in my life. Even though there's some white up there, that has all been consumed with other things. Because I thought it had been a little annoying if I'm like, I, I emptied the dishwasher today. Plus, Katie would be like, really? That's, that, that made the list. Um, but the deal is, I am in control. And when we talk about this idea of being an adventure, being out of control, going, God, I'm going to step out what you have, um, you have to know that that is not me. And uh, it is a big challenge. And uh, there's kind of two ways that I think that, that disqualify us, that kind of take us out of the game um, and being a part of what God is doing. And one is uh, what Jeff talked about last week, that we have somehow wrecked it, that we have made a choice or a series of choices where we're like, okay, I'm out. There's no way that God can use me and fix this deal. And I thought Jeff did a masterful job of uh, giving us hope for us brokenhearted people that this is our new plan A and that God redeems all of it. Every single bit of it. And so if we can't use, oh man, I was a total wreck and now God's going to save me. Like those are the best testimonies. I remember being in college and I was like a straight arrow guy and I'm like, I, I should have done crack and then I could have had like a good testimony, you know? <laughs> and so, so God uses, he loves messiness and redemption in those stories. So if we, that's one way that we're disqualified. The other way is, is, is like me, Guys like me, I'm fully in control. I've kind of reached this acceptable level of Christianity. I'm kind of comfortable with how I work with God, how I roll, and, uh, and I'm done. And I kind of put my nose down, and I go to work, and I work really hard. But in some sense, going to work and working really hard and having zero space in my life, I think also disqualifies me uh, from being on this adventure from the walk with God. And the deal is that God is calling each and every one of us. God is calling the, the messed up people who have made horrible, awful, ridiculously messed up choices, and people who are boring and who cannot get their nose out of their day planner to save their life. And God has something for all of us. And the deal is, no matter where we find ourselves, we have to get our heads up and listen to God. And I love the way this whole passage begins in chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He gave up. He's, he's like the best of both those worlds, right? He kills somebody, he's out of God's plan, and he's doing something boring. It's like, oh, something for everybody there. And he's out there doing his thing, um, and in the middle of him doing his thing, God is just running after him and pursuing him. Well, just before that, in verse 23, it says, During the long period the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and the cry for help uh, for their slavery went up to God, and God heard their groaning. And the way I envision it is there's Egypt— and my geography is kind of messed up here, but you have to bear with me. But Egypt's over here, and the Israelites are there. They're in slavery. They've been there for 400 years, and they're, they're crying out to God, God, we are in bondage. We are in misery. We are being oppressed. We know that you have something better for us. We know because of our father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and here we are oppressed. Save us. And then all the way across the Red Sea and in some valleys and deserts and stuff, there's this 
there's Midian. And Moses is over here in Midian doing his thing, as far as you could be from what God wants to do in Israel. And what God does is God says, hey, Moses, this life that you're living, I have something for you, and it involves going over here, being a part of this adventure, and taking part of this, well, the adventure, I said it twice. Okay, so the way I envision it, um, and you have to forgive me, because I think it's all of what I'm about to say is only formed by pop culture, so I don't even know if it's true. Um, but my grandparents, they, uh, they were part of the World War II generation, and this is what I envisioned in 1943 going on. 1943, two brothers uh, going to the movies to see, I don't even know what movie came out then, Casablanca, was that even then? Whatever, right? Who knows? Old movie, black and white, going to the movies, two brothers, and, um, and, but before the movie, they show these newsreels, right? I don't know if you've ever seen these before, but it's like, we're off to war, and uh, Hitler invading, blah, 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 and they show these black and white choppy things. Well, there's these video, there's these video clips, these movie clips, and, um, and to kind of like recruit people, to tell people what are going on, and these two brothers are watching these clips. And I found this clip from 1943. So imagine here we are, two brothers, or our family all eating popcorn, and uh, this comes on before uh, whatever movie we're going to see. Two brothers watching a movie. I'd like to call these brothers Jeff and Ben. Eating popcorn. That ends. Jeff's like, screw this popcorn. Do you see what's going on? I'm in, right? He throws down the gauntlet. He's like, let's do this thing. I'm all in. And he goes down the recruitment office and signs up and, uh, and gets a secretary job or something. But he's in. He's all in, right? And me, what do I do? No way. I came to see a movie on my calendar said, uh, we're going to a movie today. And I'm eating popcorn. And then actually I have a job and my boss would be kind of torqued out if I left. And maybe in three or four years I can get around to that, right? Two brothers watching the same thing, this recruitment deal. And uh, Jeff goes and uh, is a part of the war. And I eat popcorn and do this deal, right? And the deal is, at least for my, grand, my, my grandparents and uh, my grandpas, for them the defining moment, the defining issue for them is what did you do during the war? right? Did you fight in the Pacific? Were you an infantry? Were you a, a, an engineer? Um, what did you do during the war? And uh, in, in retrospect, we know that uh, the war ended, that um, 
the Allies conquered totalitarian, that we stopped the Holocaust, right? It was like the, the last like noble war. We stopped this stuff and it was like this great, great moment. This huge battle, the whole world was involved in, in our side won, right? Justice and freedom and all that kind of good stuff, right? And so this defining thing at the end, what did you do? And if you participated, you're like, I was a part of that thing. And if you didn't, I would imagine there's a little bit of shame, at least for, I would be like, oh, I didn't know it was going to turn out that way. If I knew it was going to turn out that way, that's a whole different deal. Maybe I would have been a part of it. And the deal is that um, over there in Egypt, far away, God is doing this thing, right? During World War II, over there in Europe, there was this huge battle and there was this call. I want you to sign up to get out of the movie theater and get over there to Europe and be a part of this thing. Call to Moses. Moses, I want you to quit being a shepherd and walk back to Egypt and be the deliverer. But the deal is the same is true for us, except, you know, we don't have to go to Egypt. We don't have to go to Europe. The deal is that right here in our area, in our context, there is this gigantic battle of kingdoms. There's the battle of the kingdom of God, which isn't a battle of power and violence um, like World War II. It's a battle of justice and mercy, of reconciliation, of love and grace. This is the kingdom of God that is ever advancing in our county. But in the very right next to it, it's butting up to this this, uh, kingdom of darkness. And God is inviting us to church saying, listen, quit eating popcorn. Put your popcorn down and get into the game. And just like in World War II, except we know because we have scripture, we win. The kingdom of God ultimately wins. The kingdom of God will ultimately prevail. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more, no more crying, no more tears. All will be redeemed. The kingdom of God will win. And right now in this middle ground, God is calling the church to quit being shepherds, no matter if it's a sob story or you're too anal and busy, whatever your deal is, to quit and get out and be on the front lines. And that is the call that God has for us. Now the, yeah, all right, I'm done. (laughs) Um, And so the deal is, there's three very important questions that we need to ask if we respond to this invitation. God is inviting us. Well, I want you to be on this great adventure. I want you to be a part of my ever-expanding kingdom. But there's three questions that we need to answer. And uh, the first, and we're just going to go through this encounter that God has with Moses to figure this out. So here we are in chapter 3, verse 2. It says this, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the, though the bush was not on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Now, here's the deal, that God did not give up on Moses. God had a plan for Moses. God was after Moses the whole time. God kept nudging him, coming after him. And, uh, and finally, God gets a hold of him. He has the burning bush. I mean, I would love a burning bush in my life. That would be great. But Moses got the burning bush. And Moses could have gone, hey, I'm watching sheep. I'm doing my thing. That's kind of weird, but it might just be the sun off the caves, whatever, right? Um, and, and, done his, and done his own thing. But instead, he goes, boy, that is weird. And I'm going to go and investigate. And the deal is that God is always after us. God is always putting things in our life. And uh, it's funny, we always, at least for me, I really always want the very dramatic, give me the pillar of fire. Give me the feeding of the 5,000. Give me something where I'm like, yes, please, that was you and you showed up. But the deal is what's interesting, all throughout scripture, the people who experienced the big and dramatic things, they were like the most faithless people. They're the people who turn their back on God the fastest. They're the people like, Jesus, thanks for the free food, but we're out of here right? Those people, it's not about the sign. It's about our character. And the deal is God does stuff. He nudges us. And so whether it's a burning bush or a pillar of fire or an angel of the Lord or a weird dream or just a nudging in a still small voice, all of us are different. We're all made different and we all encounter the Holy Spirit different, differently. Uh, but the deal is we need to be sensitive to how God works 
in me and works in you. And like I said before, I grew up Presbyterian, so like I'm not used to the whole, the Lord told me, the Lord said this, like that's not part of my lingo, not part of my deal. But as I've been working it out, I have figured out there is a certain rhythm of how God does stuff in me, of how, of what's going on, of when he's nudging me. And the deal is I have to go and investigate. A lot of times I'm too busy. You saw my schedule. I'm sorry, God, I would love to investigate, but I have a three o'clock appointment, so maybe next time, right? Maybe if you could do it in your nudging between Thursdays at two to four. That's, that's not how it works. But the deal is when we experience those nudges, we have to go and investigate. We have to go figure out, God, what are you doing? Is that real? Are you really calling me to do this? Are you really doing this? Or was I just moved by a, a, a movie? Or was it something I ate? We have to investigate. And uh, when I got this passage of Scripture, I'm not going to lie, I was really bummed out because this is a very hard passage of Scripture. And... Uh, it's very hard to have to come up here and be a total hypocrite. So I thought, I can't come up here and be a total hypocrite and not do it. So at least for one week, I'll try it out. I'm going to try to put into practice what I want to communicate this week so that I don't feel too bad. So I know it's awful. It should be my whole life story, but my schedule is really busy. But for this week, I did. So you know what I did this week? Um, I said, God, I'm going to take a fast because I need to make space to investigate these nudges that are going on. And I thought, God, I know, I think I already know what you're going to do in my life. I'm all excited to confirm that, but I'm going to make space. I'm going to be a good Christian, and I'm going to fast. And so what I did, I took a fast, but not like, I mean, pizza or chips and salsa or like, that would have been easy compared to what I took a fast from. I fasted from politics this week. And you know what may not know this about me, but I am a total political junkie. And if you follow politics at all, this is like the best week ever. There's like, uh, there's, there's debates going on. There's the Occupy Everything going on. And I'm like, I wanted to protest. I'm like, want to hear the radio and people talk about all the occupations and people and primaries and like what's going on. And I would, I would like walk by like newspapers, just got a little like, well, what's going on? You know, trying to figure it out because I'm a political junkie. And the deal is every part of my life, all those little spare chunks got taken up with politics. And so I said, you know what, God, this week, I'm going to make space. I'm not going to listen to the radio. I'm not going to read the newspaper. I mean, internet. Uh, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm going to make space and I'm going to listen. And so I did. I investigated all week. I listened. I nudged. What is that? Is that what you're doing, God? Is that what you're doing? And then the worst thing is, of course, what I was hoping God would do, God didn't do. He instead gives me this whole other deal, which is my own deal. So, um, so that's the first thing. We have to investigate. We have to go, God, what is that? What is this strange sight? What is going on? What's going on in me? What's going on around me? Is that from you? And so Moses goes over and investigates. And then it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. And the deal is, when we feel these nudges, they're nudges from God. The almighty creator of the universe is gently nudging us, is gently inviting us to participate into the kingdom of God. And we need to get our heads around. It's not just like somebody going, hey, let's go fishing. This is God saying, I think I want you to do this. And we need to wrestle with, whoa, what if God is calling me to do this? And we need to figure out, is this really from God? Because I've, I've watched movies, and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to give all my money to those people. And, uh, and it, okay, maybe I shouldn't give all my money. So we have to figure out. I have to go, okay, the Holy Spirit, the way that I engage the Holy Spirit, is this you really in me? I need to go and talk to people, my people, who, who have great gifts of discernment, going, this is what I'm hearing God saying. Does that sound right? Does that not sound right? 
And the deal is a lot of times we use, oh, the Lord told me because we don't want to do something or we want to get out of something or we think that's going to be the easy call. Oh, the Lord told me, obviously. We throw that around. But the deal is the Almighty creator of the universe is calling us to do things. And if we are nudged by God, we have to do the hard work to go, God, is this really from you? So this week I'm driving around, I'm thinking, God, this might be the thing that you're calling me to do. And uh, so I go, Katie, I think this is the thing. And Katie goes, yep, I knew it. I told you, I told you three weeks ago. I'm like, oh, that's always how it works in our family, except she knows way ahead of time. Finally, God figures it out. I'm like, okay, yes, I think this is God. And I, I ask Katie, is this really it? And she's like, uh, excuse me, yes, totally it is it. And so the deal is we have to recognize that it's from God, and it is from the almighty God. And all of a sudden, my truck driving through San Francisco was not my truck driving through San Francisco. It became the sanctuary where God met me, right? I don't know if you have those places like that. Um, when I was uh, up in Washington, um, before we came here, we were Presby's for a long time, and then we moved up to Washington, and we sold everything, and we were going to live in Washington. We were Washingtonians. And uh, we bought a big old house on a third of an acre right over our high school, and we were going to be like those people, I guess. And, uh, and I was all excited. I was like, this is the thing God called me to, to do um, at a huge expense politically and personally to my wife. But I'm like, we're doing this thing. And, um, and it was nine months of really, really challenging stuff. I mean, our church went through it, and it was really awful. Um, and so I just came back from a mission trip, an urban mission trip with high school kids, which is like any youth worker's bread and butter. Like, if everything else is awful, going on an urban mission trip with students is like, oh, so good. Well, the last student leaves, and I'm like, that was the worst. That was the worst thing ever. If I never see those kids again, it'll be too soon. And they all left. I closed up all the doors, and I went into my office, and I'm like, God, I don't have any other skills. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I was like, God, is this, this is not right. This is, this is what I do. This is what I've been made to do. And this was the worst ever. And God nudges me. He's like, this isn't right for you. I'm like, no, but you don't understand. I sold everything. We t- I told my dad, this is what God told me to do. And uh, I put it all out there. And God's like, I don't think you're supposed to be here. And, uh, and so I investigated, and I felt God go, look in your journal. And I open up my journal. I'm like, okay, might have just been this week. It's been an awful week. And so I go in my journal. Yep, sure enough, all these things this week about how awful things were. God goes, nudging, go farther, go farther. A month earlier, a month earlier, a month earlier, all nine months, my journal is just peppered with, this is not good. What is this? This is weird. Is this okay? And, uh, and all of those things all came crashing down to this awful little office I had in this church right next to a mushroom farm that reeked. It, um, our pastor used too much brute and mushrooms, and the combination was just like, it's like still in my nose, you know? But all of a sudden, that awful office became holy ground. It was like, God showed up in my office and was like, this is not your deal. And uh, through a whole bunch of dramatic events, God graciously picked us up from there and brought us here. And God does that. He nudges. And we have to investigate what those nudges are. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need God's people to help us affirm those things. And when God shows up, we need to recognize it is the Lord Almighty who just showed up. And we have to take off our shoes. We have to acknowledge. We have to say, this is holy ground. And if you've ever experienced that in a worship context or on a run or by yourself, I mean, it is dramatic and it is amazing. And what's so cool about this story is, and the story that Moses is telling, he says, I'm out there hiking by Herob, the mountain of God, 
well, it wasn't like a big placard that said, Herob, mountain of God. It was just this mountain. And, but God showed up in the burning bush and said, Moses, I am calling you. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And he takes off his sandals. This is holy ground. And then he said, you know what? That mountain is no longer whatever that mountain is. This is Herob. This is the mountain of God. This is the place where God showed up, where God called me, where God initiated this whole delivery from Egypt sort of deal. It is the mountain of God. And we must get watermarks in our life. We must have reminders. We must, when we, those moments come, we have to grab sand from that dirt, take tile from that church, you know, take a, a flower and put it in your Bible. Whatever it is, we need those markers because we're humans and we're dumb and we forget and we just move on. We think, that was so great. And then we move on because like there's a buffet happening or whatever. Um, again, these are my deals, not yours, right? But we have to, uh, we have to stop and recognize it from God and somehow signify it. Because if not, it just becomes this weird thing that we ate and we move on. And from all of our scripture, Herob, the mountain where God showed up, it is marked, it is etched. Moses defined that mountain forever. You want to know God showed up? Remember, we used to be in Egypt and now we're in the promised land. Oh, because at that mountain, God showed up. My smelly office in Olympia, God showed up. Even in my truck this week, which is also smelly, God showed up. So the first thing we have to do is we have to investigate. We have to go, God, are you actually doing something? And when we investigate, sometimes it's not God at all, but sometimes it is the Lord Almighty showing up. And when it is the Lord Almighty showing up, we have to stop. We have to acknowledge and we have to worship. Now the last part is the hardest part. Verse 10 says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I'm not going to lie to you, I am ashamed and embarrassed by the amount of times I can list thinking, I investigated, I worshiped, and then it got too hard and I backed out. I heard God say this. I confirmed it with someone else. I even was, had an emotional moment in worship, and then I didn't follow through. My life is littered with those. This week in my truck, God told me to do something. It was dramatic. It was emotional. I told Katie, ah, it's confirmed. I had this moment and, uh, on Wednesday, and already I'm thinking this morning, I really wish I didn't tell Katie. I kind of want to back out. Um, but the deal is, it only matters if we actually follow through. If Moses was like, that was awesome, this is a Herob, only his wife would care. But all of Israel was waiting for him to follow through and to be the deliverer that God promised. And the truth is that God is calling every single one of us in this room to a unique calling. We are all uniquely and gifted, and in, in, uh, you know that verse. Maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. I can't remember it. Sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are all God's masterpiece. We are created anew in Christ Jesus for good works. We are God's masterpiece. And sometimes, probably not you, but for me, I just want to be, oh, I'm valuable. And I'm a masterpiece. And I want to sit in that. Like, after like 35 years, it's kind of boring just sitting in that. We're not just masterpieces to sit in, to, to pat ourselves on the back and go, look at how much God has done in my life, which is all great. But he has created us anew to be masterpieces, to do good works, to actually do something to expand God's kingdom. And the deal is all of us have very unique personalities. We all have very unique passions. We all have very unique paths. We all bring all different things to the table. So the thing that God is calling me to do would sound very, would not dramatic or challenging or anything cool to you but it's God's call to me based on who I am and what God is calling me to do. 
and you are just as unique. And you're his masterpiece, and God has this unique, unique calling for you as well. And some of those callings could be dramatic. It could be like, you were in the wrong career, and you should be doing this. And if that's God's calling your life, I am so sorry. That is scary and hard and awful. But we'll pray through it. We'll figure it out. But whether it's huge and dramatic, like you're supposed to be, I thought you were going to be Washington, but instead you're not, or you're supposed to be um, this, and now you're supposed to be this, or if it's as simple as, actually, I'm supposed to do this here. There's a whole spectrum. I asked Peter, I said, Peter, um, what do you do? No, I'm just kidding. I know what Peter does. But what I wanted to know is, Peter, you know better than all of us, what is God doing? Because my nose is in my calendar doing my thing. And the truth is that there are groans and there are cries right here in our county. And I want to know what are those things. And I thought I would just share them with you because maybe some of these things are the ways that God is percolating you. All that blank time on your calendar, maybe that's the thing that God's like, you don't need to do so much politics. You don't need to read so much. You don't need to do this. Maybe in, with all that blank time, I might be calling you to do this. And these are things right here in our county that are going on. There's the Alpha Course, which helps people explore uh, what it means to know Christ. There's serving over at Hamilton with students and staff. There's an open table where a bunch of people from our church participate in walking through life uh, with, a, with a sister for a whole year. That's, I wish I was smart enough to be on that team. Um, there's uh, caring for the street community down in San Rafael. Um, there's breaking human bondage. There's being a part of that meeting on Tuesday. Right here in Marin County, being a part of that sort of stuff. Blessburn Parks. Um, there's other things that our church uh, we don't do, but there's people in our church who participate with, like Gilead House, Pregnancy Resource Center, Ritter House, Salvation Army, Blood Drive, Br Big Brothers and Sisters, um, Blanket Drives, all those sorts of things, short-term missions, uh, and then all the global stuff. That's just in Peter's little department, right? That's stuff that God is doing. People are groaning. They're groaning, and they need to know that God hears them. And the deal is, whether it's a total life call that's different, whether it's something different with your free time that God has made you to serve in, maybe it's simply just being the reconciler in your family, being the person of peace in an awful situation or an awful boss or whatever. I have no idea. I know what it is for me, but the deal is that we have faith in a God who is alive, a God whose Holy Spirit is very active, who is nudging on our hearts if we simply open our ears. And the trick is, will we actually open our ears and acknowledge that nudging might be from God? Will we investigate it? And if we get it confirmed, will we actually worship and go, God, the Lord Almighty is doing this thing in my life? And finally, will we actually go? Will we say, oh my goodness, this is it? Because the deal is you are God's masterpiece created for good works. People are praying. People are groaning. People are broken and caught in sin and bondage. They are begging God to show up. But God doesn't just show up and pat people on the head. It'd be great if he did. What, he, what God does is says, you are my body. You are the church. You are my partners. You are the ones who go and comfort. You are the ones who go and reconcile. You are the ones who go and feed. You are the ones who stand in the gap. You are the ones who sit around the table and walk through life with somebody. God by himself doesn't. We do that. And if none of us ever get past um, our, our nose in our schedule, none of us ever recognizes God, none of us ever go, then they just sit and groan. And my prayer for me and for you is that we would be a church that does the thing that God is calling us to do. Whatever it is, it's unique. It's your thing is dramatic and huge and hard for you. My thing is dramatic and huge for me, and they probably are totally different. But what we're going to do, since I'm kind of tired of my voice, and you probably are too, 
is um, we're going to make some space and just give, I'm going to invite up uh, Michael and Carly, and we're just going to give you some space to simply take your nose out of your calendar, take your nose out of what you have to do after church and all the things that you have to go on before the week starts, and for a few moments say, God, what are you doing? What do you have for me? Some of you have been nudging for a very long time, and you just simply need to go, okay, I'm listening. And in a card in front of you, I would encourage you to write down, what is God nudging me? If that nudge is more than a nudge, and you feel like the Lord Almighty is inviting you to participate in his kingdom in some specific way, then write that down. And if you were willing to go, then, um, then I have a very bold thing, and I would encourage you um, at the end uh, to take a, uh, a little pin and put it up on that storyboard back there. That storyboard back there is just a symbol of our church, the variety of people that we are doing the variety of things that God is calling, and how cool that our church of 350 people or so are 350 agents of God that got to do whatever unique thing that is. So you have a few minutes to wrestle with God. Write down whatever he puts in your heart. Wrestle with however you wrestle, except don't disrupt, right, Mo? Um, we'll take care of that later. No, not you. Don't. Sorry, Mo. And, uh, and then uh, at the end, if you feel so inclined, I would encourage you to, to be bold and put up your, your part on the piece of the board.